Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. It's the middle of the week, and it's only week three, and I'm going to say it's a must-win game already. And for those of you in the it's-only-one-game-Rome crowd, you don't need to rush up in here and tell me it's only week three. I am well aware of what week it is. Just as I am well aware that it is a must-win game for the Patriots. Yes, I said it. A must-win game for the Pats in New Jersey this week. But if it'll make you feel better, half fam, it's also a must-win game for the Jets. So what we have here is a double must-win game. Somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose, but they both have to win. So figure that out. They're playing each other. Figure that out. Listen, here's the argument. The Pats cannot afford to be looking at 0-3. I mean, full freaking stop, period. Period. The Hood and his crew simply cannot start 0-3. I mean, how off the rails are they already at 0-2? They cannot start 0-3. The Jets, meanwhile, cannot afford to lose at home to the worst team in the division if they've got any hope of keeping this season on the rails without Aaron Rodgers. So both teams desperately need this game for so many different reasons. And that's not even a take or a hot take or some lava. That's just a fact. I mean, look at it this way. Imagine the reaction in New England if the Pats lose to the Coog Hunter and drop to 0-3. And then on the flip side, imagine the reaction in New York City if the Jets lose to the Pats for the 15th consecutive time. You heard me correctly. The Jets have lost 14 in a row to the Pats. Not one, not two, not five, not eight, not 10, not 12. 14. Nobody should ever lose to anybody 14 times in a row. The worst team ever should not lose to the best team ever 14 times in a row. It makes no sense at all. Like, you know, we always say teams own other teams. Yeah, well, nobody owns anyone like the Pats own the Jets. Let me put it to you this way. Hoodman is more the majority owner of the Jets than Woody Johnson. 14 straight losses. You need me to put this in context. I'll tell you how mind-boggling that number is. The Jets have not beaten the Pats since December 2015. And that was an OT win. So if you want to further extrapolate that, Ray Ratto, the last Jets win over the Pets. I'm going to do it for you, Ray. What up, Ray? How you doing, legend? The last Jets win over the Pats in regulation was all the way back in 2011. And that was a playoff game. I can extrapolate even further. The last time the Jets beat the Pats in regulation in the regular season was September 19th, 2010. Nearly 13 years ago to the day. Hey, Savage, were you even born yet? So, when Garrett Wilson... Just kidding, Jack, don't kill me. When Garrett Wilson jumps on a local radio show in New York and says that things have to change, he's not messing around. And he's definitely not wrong. For me personally, I feel like it's gonna it's gonna fuel me throughout my week, knowing that it's 14 straight because um, you know it's time that that things you know change around around here and and um, you know I'm, I'm I don't like 
talking about it too much, but, but <laughs> right. you know, that's, that's one of the first steps, you know, 14 straight is unacceptable, you know, that's, and, um, that's, you know, that's unacceptable. We're, um, you know, I'm, I'm 0-2 against them. That's unacceptable. You know, mm-hmm. I inherited, a, you know, I walked into a, to, a um, a team that, you know, we haven't, we haven't beat the Patriots and, and, and I feel like that's why they brought me here and, and brought me and sauce here and, and the guys here to make things like that change. So it's, it's time that we, you know, do what we get paid for. This dude, what do you mean you don't like talking about it? I love this guy so much. Like, he had nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with that streak. Yet, hey, man, don't bring that around me. I'm not about that. And not because he had nothing to do with it, but because he's a winner. Like, you know me. I'm an enormous DJ Reed guy. I'm an enormous sauce guy. But Garrett is fast becoming not only my favorite Jet, but one of my favorite Jets ever. Maybe my favorite Jet ever. Love this guy. Love that attitude. 14 straight is unacceptable. 14 straight is unfathomable. 15 straight would be both unacceptable and utterly disastrous. Especially with the Chiefs. And the Eagles right around the corner. The Jets badly need this game to stay afloat. But I'm going to argue the Patriots, half-fam, need it even worse. Hoodman needs this game badly. I told you this summer that things were going to get really weird in New England really quickly if the Pats miss the playoffs again. And it's getting even more weird even more quickly than even I thought. Let's face it. 0-3 is not a death sentence in a 17-game season, but it would be for these guys. Like, my half-fam is losing patience fast, and I don't blame my half-fam. And just watch what's going to happen if that bleep show were to fall to 0-3. If they fall to the Coug Hunter, you know what I mean. If they fall to the Coug Hunter and they fall to 0-3, uh-oh, Watch how ugly that gets. Like, how bad of a look would that be for the hood man if he loses to the Jets for the first time in 15 games and loses to a dude who complained about the wind the last time these two teams met? It's windy as hell out there, too, guys. It is. This dude's had his worst games ever against the Pats. I mean, face it. The hood has made really good quarterbacks look really bad. And really bad quarterbacks look like they need to find another line of work. No names mentioned, Coog Hunter. He had a four-pick game against them. He had a three-pick game against them. I mean, that's the one big thing that the Hood Man has going for him this week. He's not just the majority owner of the Jets franchise. He is the majority owner of one Zachary Wilson. And for his sake, it better stay that way. For what it's worth, Garrett Wilson is not the only one dropping proclamations this week. On the other side of that, Pat's leader, Matthew Judon, who I'm a big fan of, went out of his way to say, I know it looks bad, but just because it looks bad doesn't mean we are bad. I know we lost. I know it, lo- it looks bad. You, you're 2-0. You start 2-0. But it's not a bad team. So don't get to asking those type of questions. Uh, we're going to, matter of fact, we're going to speak matter of fact. But uh, I don't think we're about to hang our head up here or in the locker room. So when we come back on Monday, uh, tomorrow, and we watch this film, we're going we gonna to get, get our corrections corrected. 
and then we come back on Wednesday, it's not going to be, oh, how y'all going to pull it together? We already know how. My man, respect. Respect. Spoken like a true leader. That said, I don't know, my dude. It looks to me like it looks bad. It looks to me like it looks bad and the team is bad. Sorry, once again, half fam. This much I do know. You better know how and you better get those corrections correct. And you better show us on Sunday because it does look bad. And the reason it looks bad is because it is bad. And if you fall to 0-3, it's going to look and be hideous. Now, maybe not quite as hideous as it looked when Matt the Ticonderoga, Patricia, was calling offensive plays and Joe the leader of men, Judge, was coaching the quarterbacks. But if we're being honest here, it doesn't look all that much better under Bob, a.k.a. Bill O'Brien, at least not so far. There is an easy way for the Patriots to show us that they're not a bad team, and that's to win, win, win. win. Do what you've always done. Turn the Coug Hunter inside out, beat the Jets on Sunday, stop the bleeding, and at least that's a start, and you start to change the narrative. I mean, they damn near ended the Coug Hunter's career even before it started. I don't think you want to let this guy back in and let him get back on track with a win here. And most of all, you do not want the Coug Hunter to drop you to 0-3 because we have a term for 0-3 teams. Bad. We are back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on all the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet 5 bucks and get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings is not stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football is so much more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app right now. Sign up with the code ROME, R-O-M-E. New customers can bet just 5 bucks and get 150 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with the code ROME, R-O-M-E. The crown is yours. You do have to be present in a state where it's lawful to wager. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877 877- 8 hope and y or text hope and y four six seven three six nine in connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org please play responsibly on behalf of boot hill casino and resort ks licensee partner gold nugget lake charles la 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in ontario see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions do apply Another thing 0-3 teams are unlikely to do, make the playoffs, which is why the Pats need this game, and so do the Jets. That's how we find ourselves in a double must-win scenario in Week 3. And how about this conversation, too? Remember how back in the day the conversation was, it wasn't a matter of whether or not Tiger Woods ran down Jack, but rather how much he smashed that majors record by. Remember that? And then Tiger ended up getting nowhere near. Same thing with the Hood and Don Shula. Remember the conversation back in the day? It was not a matter of if, but a question of when and by how much. 
maybe he doesn't run down Don Shula. And if he does, maybe it's not with the Patriots. Man, how ugly would that be? I, I don't think that Bob Kraft, should he make it that long, hey, by the way, that's the other thing, not to be morbid, Kraft ain't going to be around to see him get that record. Even if Kraft decided, you know what, this is really frustrating and we can't keep missing the playoffs, and I don't think that he would make this deal. It's not okay with Kraft. No matter how much of a legend the hood has been, Kraft is not going to sit by idly and miss the playoffs every single year. But even if for some reason he thought, you know what, Bill the Goat has made me so much money and done so many things for my family, I owe it to him. I'm going to let him get that record as a member of the Pats. Yeah, but Bob, you might not be around to see it, yo. Neither one of you guys are really young. Hate to be the one to point that out. One more thing. Jet fan, I know I'm bouncing back and forth. The reason I'm bouncing back and forth is it is a must-win game for both sides. Hey, Jet fan, if you had any hope that Bacon 46 was going to ride in on that white horse and rescue this team and this season and end that horrible losing streak against the Pats that Bacon himself was largely responsible for, you need a reality check. And that's exactly what Jet Fan got. A reality check from Tom Brady on his Let's Go podcast this week. The question everybody has been wondering is, have the Jets called? And are you Uh, considering the Jets? Next question. Asked and answered? You already know. I love being with you guys on Mondays, and I love what we got going. Nerd! Nerd, nerd, nerd. (laughs) Look, dude, you're the goat, but you're the nerd. Can this dude not ever answer a question directly, ever? It's almost like he wants to keep the hope alive just in case some pathetic Jets fan is pathetic and desperate enough to keep believing it's possible. Next question. Next Next question. Next question is so cheesy, so contrived, so lame. Dude, you have a podcast. You know what happens on podcasts? People ask questions, and then you answer them. You don't next question them. Bad enough at a presser, right? But on your own podcast, you're next questioning your co-host on the podcast, your own podcast. Man, that's about as lame as when you got all fake, bent out of shape about people wanting to know if you were going to retire. Jim, if I knew what I was going to do, I'd have already done it. Not at all contrived, not at all scripted, not at all manufactured, not at all, hey, look at me. Dude, nobody's buying any of this. Just like nobody with a brain buys that you're coming in to save the Jets. You don't need a next question, that just to answer it. It's a very simple answer. No, no, I'm good. Man, stop messing with the Jets anyway, Bacon 46. You've toyed with them. Wrecked them, messed with them long enough. Leave Jet Fan alone, Bacon Face. You know what he's got? He's the GOAT. He's the GOAT. There's a lot of things about Tom Brady I really admire and respect. However, he's got an attention fetish. A look-at-me fetish. Kind of like Xavier Howard has a, quote, get women pregnant fetish. Allegedly. Not my... It is hump day. Not my take. 
We got into this yesterday, but the take of one of the women he allegedly impregnated. She said that he has a get women pregnant fetish. If that's true, and I don't know, Zabian needs to leave women alone like Tom needs to leave the Jets alone. They both need to be stopped. I've got some advice. I'm not here to only point out problems. I am also here to offer solutions. You know what Bill should do? Bill should scheme up some more running, head start, field goal, block plays. But not just for special teams. I'm talking about innovative schemes. Like on first down. Second down. Third down. Talking about a whole new playbook. Short yardage. Third and longs. Red zone. Goal line. All of it, dude. Oh, by the way, it's Wednesday at, let's see, 9.20 a.m. Has X-Man gotten another woman pregnant? Just asking. Next question. Uh, I don't know, man. Hump day seems to bring out the best in me. I think that that would warrant a tongue. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper or What's Your Beef. We are joined via Zoom by Mike Pritchard. Mike, it is great to have you on. What's going on, Mike? How are you? I'm great, Tim. Great to be with you. It's been a minute. Uh, years ago, I, I was on one of your shows there. It has been a minute, so it's good to have you back. We should have done it yeah. sooner, but it's great to have you today. Absolutely. Hey, Mike, what does it tell you that as somebody who played for both the Colorado Buffaloes and the Denver Broncos, that I'm going to start by asking you about your alma mater, Coach Prime, and the Buffs, because that's what I'm going to do. What's it been like for you to see your alma mater be the epicenter and the talk of the entire college football world so far? Jim, it's been incredible. Uh, what Coach Prime has done is coaching staff, the players, the entire uh, university, uh, being back in this spotlight, it feels really good, to be honest with you. Uh, it's been a long time coming, too, to be honest with you as well. But uh, it is, it's short of a, a miracle. It's short of uh, shocking uh, it really is. But, uh, you know, if you know Coach Prime, if you know what he's all about, he's all about winning, he's all about getting results. Uh, and that certainly has taken place. I mean, he's transformed this this university. Uh, there's generations of Buff fans that didn't understand uh, Buffs having success on the gridiron. Right. And 
And certainly now, uh, the enthusiasm, the excitement on campus, around campus, around the program, uh, it is so incredible to watch and experience as well. See, Mike, you know, because you were there, and I know because you and I used to talk back in the day, you know, we sent our son, our younger son, Logan, to the school as a freshman, and I keep mm-hmm. telling him, dude, dude, you have no idea. You have no idea. He's like, no, I get it, Pop. I'm like, no, you do not. You do not. Like, he's having the time of his <laughs> life, and I'm saying, if you could only have the perspective. And let me ask you this, Mike. I mentioned the 1990 championship yeah. squad off the top. The most successful season in program history, the opener that year was against Tennessee, an absolute classic. You filled in for running back Eric Bieniemy, who I also love. You had an enormous day. I mean, this is crazy. What do you remember about dropping 200 yards plus rushing against the Vols in that game? Yeah, running scared. Uh, Jim, I had moved to wide receiver because Eric Bieniemy was the Heisman Trophy uh, candidate. Certainly he became a finalist as well. It was unfortunate that he wasn't available for us in that opener, uh, that kickoff classic out there in, in, in L.A., uh, but what happened is coach Matt came to me and said, look, you're the best running back option I have. In fact, you're my best running back. Uh, and that gave me confidence and Bill McCartney, uh, if you know uh, what he's about, he's about instilling confidence and, and certainly uplifting you. Uh, so I'm, I'm a, a wide receiver dripping wet, maybe 180 pounds. I, uh, now I got to run between the tackles, uh, against Tennessee from the sec, but I uh, had a lot of confidence. Uh, my biggest coach that day, believe it or not, even though Eric Bieniemy was not available for us as a player, he was on the sideline. And he was a mentor. He was in my ear. His intensity, I could feel it. Uh, and he actually raised my confidence level as well. So uh, I had a lot of support. And certainly we had an outstanding team as we went on to win a national championship that year. Mike Pritchard joining us. Mike, I wouldn't call it a regret, but I would say this about Eric Bieniemy. He... I haven't talked to him in years. You know, once he became a coach, yeah. he was not really accessible, but I used to put him on. I think I did him in college. I certainly did him as a pro. Man, I love the guy. He just, back in the day, you know the world was very different back then. That was a dude that was so right. raw and never afraid to speak his mind when guys didn't like they do now. Right. What was, I mean, do you know what I'm talking about? How intense was he and what was he like mm-hmm. as a teammate and a guy? Oh, he's awesome. Uh, I think... Um... You know, today's day and age of uh, the athlete, maybe you have to go out there with a different set of gloves on. You know, maybe you have to have a different approach. Uh, We've seen some people talk about that, right? Uh, Shady McCoy, I think, has mentioned something about that and, you know, relating to today's athletes, right? Uh, But but what transcends uh, is is a blueprint for success. And and all you got to do is get people to believe in that. Uh, and Eric is one of those type of coaches, uh, and certainly he'll get a chance as a head coach, hopefully one day, to where he can do that. I mean, look at what he's done with with Hal uh, out there in in Washington. I mean, the, the ball placement of this quarterback is off the charts right now, uh, and certainly in a rhythm. And, and I think that offense is going to get better and better as it goes along. Uh, but talking with Eric as well, uh, you know, his experience with Patrick Mahomes and uh, th- being able to relate to a guy who is just as competitive, and just just as fierce and, and intense as he is. Uh, you know, that was something that was refreshing for Eric. And and so to circle back to to your question in terms of what Eric is all about uh, and what makes him successful and what, what makes him relatable is that his passion uh, just comes through. His passion, you feel it as a player. Anything you were, or if you're around Eric, you feel it. Uh, and so just give him that opportunity. Uh, give him that opportunity in terms of letting you understand his passion level, letting you understand his intensity level. 
and then you'll get results and not positive results. Uh, and that's what Eric is all about. And I think you're right, Mike. I think to me, from the outside looking in, he will coach you hard now. I mean, he will coach you hard. Right. He's old school, but right. he cares, right. but he cares, man. It's all right because he, he cares. He cares about the guy. He cares about the player. Mike Pritchard joining us. So, Mike, when you mm-hmm. arrived in Atlanta for your rookie season in 1991, Dion was already an established star. What were the battles like with him in practice? And then what has stayed with you the most when you consider the years that you spent as teammates with Dion? Yeah, that's a great question, Jim. I mean, I, you know, when I arrived in Atlanta, one of the most welcoming players uh, on the team was uh, Dion, Dion Sanders at the time. And you're right, he was a superstar. Uh, and here I am, you know, first round draft choice and fresh off a national championship and, and able to get to Atlanta, a uh, hot Atlanta uh, back then, too, by the way. Uh, and you got Dion Sanders, open arms. Uh, you know, it, I, I was a sponge. Uh, when I got there, uh, you know, I had Andre Risen, Michael Haynes, and, and Deion Sanders, and, and I became a sponge in terms of, okay, what is this league about? What is it about to be successful, uh, have a long career, help your team win, make a lot of money, and, and all that? So uh, I, I could ask Dion any question. Uh, I felt comfortable about that. He was not one of those superstars that is standoffish at all. And if, in fact, if you know Dion, like a lot of people do, uh, you know, he's, he's so welcoming. He's so giving uh, as a person. And so that's what uh, captured me. Uh, that's what built up my, my confidence. And then the battles you talked about on practice. I mean, if you had a success, if you caught one pass on Dion uh, in practice, you could run a route against anybody in the National Football League. You felt that strongly. You felt that confident. Uh, the guy would work his behind off. Uh, take every rep out there uh, and really uh, show what it takes uh, to be on top of your game. See, I think what you just said, Mike, is so key that he would work his behind off because, you know, he was an absolute superstar athlete. We know that. But don't sleep on that work ethic. In fact, let me ask you, you know, we see what we see when the cameras are rolling now and it works for him really well. In fact, I'm going to say it's brilliant. It's brilliant the way he's using Mm -hmm. social media and what he's doing and building brand. But what are we not seeing when the cameras aren't rolling? In other words, what's going on in the so-called unseen hours that he and his staff are putting in? Well, how detailed they are, uh, Jim. Uh, it's incredible. They're, they're prepared for every moment. I mean, go to the TCU game on the road in that environment against a team that competed for a national championship the year before. The fellas were ready. Uh, they didn't waver at all. You get home against Nebraska, a big rivalry game. The spotlight is on. And then all of a sudden, you know, they take over the game. They figure it out. Same thing against CSU. Uh, what is so impressive right now about Coach Prime and his staff uh, is how detailed they are uh, and how giving they are. And these kids are responding to all that. Uh, and they're getting the best effort each and every week. They're getting great effort in practice. What we see uh, on camera, uh, and I've said this before, it, it's, like, it's like hard knocks every day, right? We're getting a glimpse of hard knocks every day on a college level for University of Colorado. But when that camera is off, it's all about work ethic. It's all about discipline. It's all about game planning. It's all about strategy. It's all about that detailed and that meticulous nature that Coach Prime is all about. He's always been that way. That's why he's a he's a Hall of Famer. He could have been a Hall of Fame wide receiver. He could have been a Hall of Fame anything that he put his mind to. And, and that's what we're seeing, a belief uh, and confidence in, 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 one, in, in yourself, right? Uh, the thing about Dion too is it's intimidating, uh, Jim. When when you have a guy like Dion with his talent, who believes at the level he believes in uh, or at, 
Uh, and then certainly he has the ability uh, to project that to you. If you don't have that same level of belief, you're intimidated. And I think that's happening. I think that's playing out in college football right now. You got people that don't understand what the makeup and the fabric of CU football is all about right now. But I'm here to tell you, it's all about confidence. It's all about belief in yourself and your ability uh, and belief that you're going to figure out a way to win. Uh, and, and it's simple. It's simplistic. But it's also intimidating at the same time. We are talking to Mike Pritchard. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I think there is definitely something to that. I would also say, though, Mike, I think that Oregon probably does have a pretty good understanding. So you got Oregon, who is now a three-touchdown favorite over Colorado this weekend. Any mm. way the Buffs can hang with the Ducks at Austin Stadium without Travis Hunter, who's got that lacerated liver, how do you think it's going to go this weekend? I, I think they have a great chance of hanging with them. Uh, it's a tough environment, tough place to play. Uh, having played up in Seattle, I know about all about the the rivalry between Oregon and University of Washington, and, and I know about that stadium as well. Uh, but I, I'm here to tell you, I, I think there's a different attitude uh, with Colorado football, uh, and and that is uh, an attitude and certainly a belief and a confidence level that's just uh, off the charts right now. I don't think anybody's seen this in a, in a matter of decades. Uh, for the collection of players, along with the talent. I think Shadour Sanders uh, is still underestimated. Jim, this guy is incredible. How he's playing a game uh, is is stellar. Uh, I mean, I, I don't see any flaws. If there's flaws, there's minor flaws right now. Uh, but more importantly, they're able to overcome issues. Uh, the coaching staff, the players, they seem to figure it out. So if they can keep this thing close, I, I'd be I'd be curious to see how Oregon handles a team that's putting up 30, 35 points. Uh, and and can Oregon still keep up that production? Absolutely. Uh, I think, see, you can make this a competitive affair. All right. So before you go, Mike, I was going to ask you about Shador next. You played in the NFL. You yep. still follow the league closely as a VEASAN analyst. When you look at Shador and his skill set, how do you think he projects on the next level? In other words, how impactful do you think he'll be as a pro quarterback? You know, Jim, I, I look for something that distinguishes you as, as a quarterback because, let's face it, everybody has a processor. Everybody has a great arm talent. Everybody can throw the rock. Everybody has good footwork and all this stuff, all these intangibles. Uh, but what causes a, a player to um, shrink uh, under the under the spotlight? Maybe pressure, right? Uh, he is not going to shrink under the spotlight. He's been under the spotlight his entire life if you think about the pedigree of Shador Sanders. But what makes him more impressive to me than any other quarterback that I've seen so far uh, in college football? I mean, Caleb Williams is off the charts, too. We know that. Uh, May is, is great. But Shadour has a knack of standing in the pocket and finding wide receivers. Um, in college, it, it's hard to find a player that doesn't have happy feet, that, that certainly doesn't want to escape the pocket and make something happen. Shadour wants to stay in the pocket as long as possible. Now, if he has to get outside and make a play, he'll do that. But he stays in the pocket and he lets plays develop. He lets the timing uh, and the rhythm of the play develop. And that's vital. That's important, especially if you're Sean Lewis and you're trying to make adjustments along the way. Uh, you can really uh, hone in on what you need to do with your strategy because that quarterback uh, is dealing back there. He, he is unwavered. Uh, in terms of his poise in the pocket. And I love that. Such a great conversation. Mike, before you go, how about one quick thought about the Broncos? What did you sure. make of Sean Payton publicly calling out Russell Wilson and threatening to, quote, wristband him 
to improve his play if necessary. How do you think that's going to play out, and what did you make of that statement? <laughs> Jim, he's on him, right? Uh, what he told him to stop politicking. <laughs> I mean, Sean Payton's doing everything he can uh, to get Russell to understand he needs to humble himself even more. Uh, you know, Russell has been a great quarterback. He has. He, he's quarterbacked a, a great team up there in Seattle. Uh, but along the way, you know, as players, we we tend to think we know it all, right? And and then all of a sudden, we're no longer coachable. Uh, and, and that, to me, is, is a recipe for disaster. Uh, so it, it tells from Sean Payton, the coaching staff as well, that Russell has work to do here, right? Uh, and and so if you want this offense to be consistent, if you want the output and the production uh, to even get to a higher level, Russell, it's all about you. Uh, and until you do that or until you understand that, we're going to be running in quicksand here. So uh, I love it. Uh, it's it's the soft old school way uh, of trying to get your point across to a guy who once had superstardom, who has kind of lost his way uh, and is scrambling right now in the deep end. I think it's so well said. It's fascinating. It really is something to see. He is a lead NFL analyst now for VEASAN. He had a great college career, excellent NFL career. Mike, as you mentioned, it had been a minute or so, but man, it was so great to get caught up. What a great job by you. Appreciate you, Mike. Thank you very much. That was fun. Thank you very much, Jim. Appreciate you as always. Thank you. Let me talk to you for a moment about one of my favorite products ever, HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh? What it is is farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store. You can count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable, and that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Kickstart a fresh fall routine with HelloFresh. HelloFresh handles all the meal planning and shopping to deliver everything you need to cook up a tasty meal right at home. They do the hard part, and you get to take credit. And when it comes to options, honestly, more is more. That's why HelloFresh's menu includes 40 recipes and over 100 add-on items to choose from every single week. I love it. Comes right to the doorstep, all these tremendous ideas and great meals. Find out for yourself. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. Use the code 50Rome for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Once again, HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. Make sure to use the code 50Rome and get 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. Clint in Bakersfield wants to respond. What's going on, Clint? How are you? Good, Rome. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, first time, long time. Uh, I got another head-to-head matchup this week that I think is a must-win for both sides, and that's the Vikings and the Chargers. Mm. Um, as a lifelong Vikings fan, I just feel like it's time they stop playing like the Vikings and start playing like the Vikings. And uh, by the way, Rome, great interview with Randy Moss last week. That's my favorite player ever. I'm out. Appreciate you. You can do better than Vike Queens. Pete in Phoenix, you made it in. What's going on, Pete? How are you? Rome. Pete. Greetings from Tankville, Arizona. Even though we had a little scare on Sunday, we're ready for that 0-17 season, and I'm going to lay back and enjoy it. Let's start at the top with our new GM, Monty. This guy's a hoodie cast off, and instead of get them picks, or no, instead of, F them picks. He's all about get them picks. 
And then our new coach is a pencil neck goober that makes Dingleberry look like a Dodonis. And lastly, Rome, Kryler supposedly might not play at all this year. I mean, that's we cannot have that happen. He has got to play so he could show some flashes and we could trade him and then get them picks late. Yo, brother, do me a favor. Don't be a stranger. Brother. Rack him. Rack him. I need more of that bad attitude on this show. Pete, that's kind of funny. Ethan in Oregon. Ethan, what's up? How are you? What's up, Jim? Hey, I just wanted to chime in on the, uh, the effect of Deion Sanders. So me and my friends, we're going to go to a game a couple months. We're going to choose a game to go to, and we're looking at Colorado. Uh, and the tickets were probably 40 bucks. But we're thinking Colorado's a pretty terrible team. <laughs> and so we were looking at tickets a couple days ago. Now they're at about 200 bucks. So it's going to be a watch-from-home type of deal. And I had something to say about that Nick Chubb injury as well. So everybody on the X talking about how their fantasy team, prayers to my fantasy team and all this crap. It's like, what about prayers to Chubb? Nobody cares about your fantasy team. Thanks, Jim. Have a good one. All right, Ethan. Actually, they all care about their fantasy team. They care more about their fantasy team than they care about anything anything else. Fantasy long replaced the actual league and the actual teams as their favorite team. They're bigger fans of their fantasy team than they are their actual team. So that's not true. U.S. Cellular knows how important your kid's relationship with technology is, and they have made it their mission to help them establish good digital habits early on. That's why they have partnered with Screen Sanity, a nonprofit dedicated to helping kids navigate the digital landscape. And for a smarter start to the school year, U.S. Cellular is also offering a free basic phone on new eligible lines, providing an alternative to a smartphone for kids. Start smarter with U.S. Cellular. Visit uscellular.com slash built for us to find out more. Restrictions to apply. Visit uscellular.com for terms. We are joined now by Kyle Whittingham. Kyle, it is great to have you on once again and have an opportunity to talk. How are things? Doing good, Jim. Just uh, getting through the work week and, and uh, getting ready for the Bruins. Sounds about right. All right, so Kyle, let me ask you. You're 3-0. and You're out quickly, and you've outscored the opposition 75-31. to How pleased are you with the team's level of play currently, and what are your biggest takeaways thus far from your non-conference play? Well, I think we're off to a decent start, um, you know, particularly on defense. We're playing exceptional defense, um, you know, giving up. 10 points a game, something like that. But, but, uh, been very consistent on that side of the ball, uh, offensively, uh, still trying to find our way. Uh, we need to get our quarterback uh, back in the lineup cam rising. We're hoping this is the week, but, but we don't know for sure. Uh, in the meantime, Nate Johnson played well for us on Saturday. And, uh, if cam can't go, then Nate will get the call and, and, uh, away we go, but, uh, good UCLA team coming into Rice Eccles stadium. And, uh, we're going to have to play our a game to have a chance. Kyle Whittingham joining us. You beat me to it. You know, I was going to go there next. It seems to me the strong start is all the more impressive when you consider you've done this without cam rising, your all pac 12 quarterback. You tore his ACL in the Rose bowl in January. For those who do not remember, yeah, I know you touched on this Kyle, but can you just kind of update me? He has been practicing. How does he look to you right now? And how are you approaching his status for Saturday? game 
Well, he looks really good right now, and and uh, he's been cleared to do everything in practice, and that's been a, a couple weeks now uh, with no limitations other than hitting him, which we wouldn't do anyways. So he's uh, he's moved around real well with balls coming out of his hand like it's supposed to, and uh, we're hoping that uh, we get final clearance tomorrow on Thursday. That would be uh, the day where we get the uh, thumbs up or thumbs down, and so we're hoping for the best. All right, so that's a big day tomorrow. In the meantime, you mentioned the other guys. I mean, it's amazing. Like, he's been doing his work trying to get back, doing what he has to do. In the meantime, Bryson Barnes and Nate Johnson both have held it down. What have they shown you in the way they've guided the offense and held everything together while Cam's been out? Yeah, well, first of all, it was a collaborative effort between the two for for the first couple games. Uh, They split time. Uh, Bryson Barnes did a nice job of managing the offense, taking care of the football, uh, moving the chains and and just really manage the game well. Nate's a little more dynamic. Uh, he adds that element of the QB run game. Uh, he got the nod in game three uh, just this past Saturday, went uh, went the distance from start to finish and and uh, really put up some good numbers. But, but uh, you know, they've both uh, done a good job holding down the fort. Uh, we believe Nate has a very bright future here and uh, has gotten better, tr- you know, made a tremendous improvement over the course of the last three or four weeks. Utah head football coach Kyle Whittingham, my guest. Now, Kyle, unfortunately, Cam Ryan is not your only notable injury in fact your team has had a wave of injuries currently 20 guys I would say who could contribute are dealing with physical issues I understand injuries are a part of the game I know you know that too but have you ever had a season quite like that in that regard not even close and uh yeah it's right around 19 20 guys in our, in our on our offense and defense of two deep, which comprises, you know, 44 players, we're down about half those guys are close to it. And, and uh, that's the bad news. The good news is we got a lot of guys getting reps and uh, stepping up and, and uh, picking up the slack for the guys we're missing. And, and so they've done an outstanding job of having that next man up mentality. It's so big, right? They get an opportunity and they get to play in some legitimate moments on a big stage and they take advantage of it. They grow from it. You know, I'm really struck by this. Even with the adversity, you're still laying the foundation for what could be your 10th straight winning season. Coming into this year, Utah had a winning record in 16 of your 18 seasons as head coach. How much of your success, you'll talk about the players, of course, but how much of that is about the continuity and consistency you've had with your coaching staff? Because guys have stayed really loyal to you and they haven't left. Yeah, a great deal of that uh, is is based on the 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 uh, consistency and that we've had with the staff. Uh, very little turnover over the course of the last ten years, and uh, you know, in the football in the football world, the head coach, you know, he can do only so much. I mean, you've got to really rely on your assistants. There's too much going on to be able to do it all yourself, like maybe you can in basketball or whatever. And so, you surround yourself with the right people. And uh, you get everybody pulling in the right direction, in the same direction, then uh, you got a chance. And that certainly has been a strong suit of us for us is the uh, consistency and continuity of the coaching staff. Kyle, why do you think that is? I mean, it's hard to find good people. It's hard to keep good people. And you've been able to do both those things. Is it? Is it about you? Is it about the program? Is it about the lifestyle? Is it all <laughs> the above? How, what is that exactly? Yeah. Well, probably not about me. I'm fairly demanding and, and uh, you know, require a great deal of these guys. Uh, I would say one of the uh, reasons would be five, I think it's five of our 10 assistant coaches or five of our 11 are Utah grads. I mean, they played here and so they, they're invested in the program. They have a reason to be here. And uh, so that's uh, that's part of it. Um, you know, just otherwise, you know, it's a, Salt Lake City is a great place to live. It's it's a great community, and uh, we think we're one of the best. Maybe not a secret anymore, but it used to be one of the best kept secrets.
secrets in the country right here in Salt Lake Valley. Yeah, you are no longer a secret. Kyle Whittingham joining us. So you begin conference play against an undefeated UCLA team that's won 15 of their last 19. They've got some depth under center. We know that. Chip Kelly, in fact, Kyle has played three quarterbacks in the last two games. I spoke to him on the show recently. He was talking about his freshman, Dante Moore, who I know you're familiar with. He admitted, and you know, for Chip to say something like this, he goes, he's just different. He's special. What kind of thoughts do you have watching Moore on film? Yeah, I would agree. And uh, it reminds me of when they first uh, brought DTR on board, uh, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson. He he was a, a true freshman and they they uh, went with him and and just, uh, you know, I don't want to say mortgage the future because that wasn't the case, but but started under, you know, built built uh, a future around him. And it appears that they're doing the same thing with Dante. And uh, he's a little bit different than than DTR. He's more of a pocket guy can run. There's no doubt about it, but not as willing or, or not as eager to run as um as a DTR was, but you know, he's got a lot of good football ahead of him and, and it uh, looks like they're going to make the commitment to, uh, to him as their quarterback, at least for now. Right. So what else does UCLA do that has your attention right now? Well, they got great athletes. I mean, they're, they're long, they're fast, um, you know, and defensively they're playing exceptionally well. Uh, they're very well coached. Uh, Chip does a great job with his offensive schemes. He's one of the best offensive coaches and the best offensive minds out there. Uh, he spreads you out, uh, makes you defend the whole field. Uh, is great with matchups and and getting uh, you know their their best people on on people that maybe is going to be a tough matchup for them defensively. Uh, for the defense that is and so he's just uh, an outstanding football coach and and uh, he seems to be building momentum there at UCLA I don't think there's any doubt about that I love this game can't wait to see it Kyle before you go it's kind of amazing but for the second straight week the Pac-12 has got eight teams ranked in the top 25 you've been at this a minute now dating back to your first year in Salt Lake City as an assistant in 1994 so you've seen quite a bit with that in mind have you ever been a part of any conference that was this deep this talented no, not even close. And uh, six of our nine conference games will be played against uh, ranked opponents. I mean, that, that uh, you know, the gauntlet has begun. And uh, it's ironic that, uh, you know, in the last year of the Pac-12 would be our strongest year. But, but uh, yeah, there's no doubt that uh, it's the deepest from top to bottom and, and will be the biggest challenge. So final thought, because you mentioned it last year, the Pac-12, it's kind of hard to believe. But, I mean, business is business. The world is changing. We understand this. It'd be kind of foolish to resist it and not kind of understand what's going on around you. I mean, when you think about this being the last year of the Pac-12, what kind of thoughts do you have? Are you nostalgic? Are you just kind of worried about your team because that's your thing and there are other people that worry about those other business matters? You know, what kind of thoughts do you have about that? Yeah, it's it's kind of surreal to to think about it. You know, the Pac-12 that's been around for literally 100 years or, or whatever, uh, and and has so much history and you know the conference of champions and all that and we won several uh, championships at, uh, through you know across a, a wide variety of sports and and uh, to think that that's uh, it's done and, and is, is you know not going to be anymore is is uh, you know is it's sobering in a way but but uh, I'm going to tell you right now college football is is changing dramatically it's going to continue to change we haven't seen the last of it there's going to be huge changes on the horizon uh, in the not too distant future and so you got to embrace it and just uh, you know accept the change and and uh, you know continue to do your thing and I think you nailed it as cataclysmic as this might be to some people there's gonna be a lot more of this we're not done yet we're not done yet he is the all-time winning as coach at Utah this is a great matchup Utah and UCLA coming up this weekend Kyle Whittingham my guest Kyle as always I appreciate the relationship and the conversation and the fact that you always are accessible for this program good luck this weekend and great to talk to you as always 
Appreciate it, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Let's talk about Sean McVay. Let's talk gambling for a minute. Let's talk about the Rams. Let's talk about what happened over the weekend. See, the thing I like about me, well, most things, I'm a big fan of me. The thing I like about this show and the way we handle gambling, we give you enough that we acknowledge that you do it. A lot of you like it. A lot of you do it. And I also acknowledge that some of you will never do it. And I'm not encouraging you to do it if you don't want to do it. I, I just think there's a fine line. And I want to make sure that when we talk about it, we talk about it and we come from a place of insight and education. But it's got to be entertaining too, right? Because if you want just straight data, I'm not Billy Walters. And by the way, nobody is. That dude's a freaking genius. Have you read his book? We had him on the Jim Rohn podcast. It was so great. People are still telling me how great they thought that was and how amazing his book is. This guy's a genius. What I'm saying is there are other shows that deal exclusively in that, and it's a little bit drier, and there's more data, and it's just a different thing. The Big Head and I like to talk about it with some insight and knowledge, but we want it to be fun and, insi- and entertaining. So with all that in mind, I tell you all the time, this betting game is hard, dog. Which is why you should appreciate it when the big head does drag that enormous cranium in here and massacres the language on the regular. Because when he does so, he's generally in here to give you some winning picks. And at the very minimum, he's giving you a very helpful and well thought out breakdown. Even if it doesn't really sound that way, it is. As long as you're able to sift through his juvenile fart jokes, and his functional illiteracy, you'll get to the good stuff. Trust me. Point is, the betting game is hard enough as is. Hard enough without coaches kicking meaningless field goals that cost everybody money. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people. Actually, and if you are into this, you know exactly what I'm talking about already. That seemingly meaningless field goal that Sean McVay called for at the end of the Niners game Sunday was anything but meaningless. Try telling that to everybody who hit the Niners at minus seven and a half, or even like Big Head and I, minus seven. Try telling us or them that that was a meaningless kick. Yeah, it didn't change the outcome of the game, but it changed the outcome for a lot of people. You feel me? In reality, because we're all watching a different game. In reality, McVay kicked one of the more meaningful, meaningless kicks ever. Ask Vegas. Ask anybody who had McVay reach into their pocket and rip their wallet right out. Or rip food off their table. Or this month's rent. Or all the above. I mean, people are pissed. People are still pissed. Understandably, and understandably, Sean McVay wants to distance himself from any thought or accusation that that decision was influenced in any way by the betting line, or that he even knew what the betting line was before he ran his kicker out there at the end of a game that they had already lost. Try convincing anybody who lost their bet that that's true. I mean, full disclosure. That decision cost me some dough. It did. But I still love and respect McVay. I do. I think the guy's brilliant. I think Sean McVay is brilliant. 
accept his explanation yesterday for why he decided to attempt a field goal in that situation, frankly, was anything but brilliant. Try to follow this word salad. Is there a reason you chose to kick a field goal at the end of the game? Yeah, what we were trying to do is we were trying to be able to get a completion to where we kicked a field goal beforehand uh, with the opportunity to be able we were trying to, if we had hit that deep in breaking route, it really would have worked out the way that we wanted to. We were going to try to kick a field goal right once we got into, you know, field goal position to then be able to kick an onside and try to give ourselves a real opportunity to win the game. By the time it got down to it, didn't anticipate that, you know, uh, in cut that we hit Puka running that long and just said, all right, just go ahead and kick the field goal. Felt like it was an opportunity to be able to, you know, not leave Matthew susceptible to an unnecessary heave to the end zone and, and get an opportunity for our field goal operation. But the initial goal was to try to get a two for one to where you end up getting into field goal range a little bit earlier with some of the play selections that we had um, and then ultimately be able to try to you know, have an onside kick to to then be able to go try to compete to tie or win the game. But apparently artists told me there's a lot of people in Vegas pissed off about that decision. I, did, I, did, I clearly was not aware of that stuff. Oh, oh, thanks for clearing that up. He said, I was told there's a lot of people in Vegas that are pissed off about that. Yeah, and, and somebody in Irvine and somebody wherever the hell the big head lives. Listen, I don't know how clear it actually is, Sean, because I don't think anybody anywhere either understood that explanation or bought that explanation, probably because it was the finest chopped word salad I've ever heard in my life. It's never convincing when somebody asks you to explain yourself and then you filibuster and go with his jibber jabber. In fact, it's the opposite of convincing. The fact that he was even asked about that tells you it was something. Why would a reporter ask why you attempted a field goal late if it didn't have some kind of betting implications. I think Sean thought that if he footballed us to death, that would satisfy everybody and everybody would go away and not bring it up again. Except that's not what happened. He didn't football anybody to death. He didn't dazzle anybody with the X's and O's. He actually made everybody even more suspicious or confused or pissed or all the above. James Kelly is still, he won't get off this point. He's convinced that Sean McVay was listening to Big Head bets and that he heard Big Head going in on him versus Kyle. You know, I took I took Sean McVay, he took Kyle because Kyle's like his surrogate brother. Hey, Big Head, arrogant much? You really think that that guy made that decision based on something you had to say? Dude, you're more confusing than Sean is. Now, here's where I come out. And again, I bet that game. I'll admit it. I'm going to be very clear about this. I'm not saying, (laughs) I'm not saying like a lot of you, a lot of you on the X especially, actually think that he had money on the game. And that's why he kicked that field goal. That an NFL head coach bet the game. And that's why he made the decision he made. I'm not saying that. Not at all. That makes no sense whatsoever. Why in the world? That makes even less sense than that word salad explanation he just offered up. Why in the world would Sean McVay, one of the best coaches in the league, risk his great reputation, great job, and great salary, and great future earning prospects 
great future earning prospects because we know that when he's done coaching, he's going to probably make a hell of a lot more money announcing. Why would he risk all of that to win a bet unless the bet was for $100 million? And to be so obvious about it, to be so heavy-handed with it, come on. Sean did not decide to come back to the Rams after all that soul-searching because he missed the action, the gambling action. He's not up there saying, I'm all about that action, boss. This guy did not come back so he could bet on games. There might be some players dumb enough to bet on games. We know that already. But that coach is not dumb enough to bet on a game. There's no way he's out there actively influencing the score with a meaningless field goal in a game because he, quote, had money on it. That would be the dumbest thing anybody has ever done. And this dude is far from done. Dumb. He's not trying to win a bet himself, nor is he doing that so his buddy can win a bet or his cousin can win a bet or a former teammate can win a bet. Like, like he's doing this in real time on the sideline with the entire world watching. This dude is not trying to go all Phil Mickelson while rocking a headset. He's just not. You know, toughen up. It's one thing to sneak in a vape hit on the sideline like Mike McDaniel. That was wild enough. But it's entirely a different thing to sneak in a bet-influencing field goal call right in front of our faces on the sideline. I mean, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, honestly. And I love a good conspiracy theory, and I love to win a bet. But that's not what happened on Sunday. Now, now, here's something we can discuss. The did he fix the game or try to win the bet or secure that he won the bet is a totally different question than did he know the line? He claims he had zero knowledge of the line. I think that's the part that is most difficult for everybody to believe. I think it's possible. I think it's possible that he didn't know the line. But I'll also ask this. Why would he care who cashed what, even if he didn't know the line? Why would he care who won the bet unless he made a bet? And there's no way the guy made a bet. Just like the players don't give a rip about any of your fantasy teams, I don't think Sean McVay gives a single rip about any of your DraftKings accounts. He doesn't care about your bets. He doesn't care about your parlays. Believe it or not, he's got a lot more to think about than screwing people over, no names mentioned, James freaking Kelly than the Niners being minus seven and a half. I guarantee Sean McVay with that big brain and that beautiful football mind was not under that headset, Kelly. Looking at his transparency and thinking to himself, man, I got a gym. We're not going to win. We know we're not going to recover that onside kick, but man, I'll tell you what we can win. A bet that James Kelly made, he'll be pissed. I'll screw James Kelly. Yeah, that's not happening. He had a lot more to think about than that. You know how I know he had a lot more to think about than that? 
He didn't even think about what answer to give when inevitably he knew it was coming up. I know that he knew he was going to have to address this. There was way too much smoke. Had he had time to think about it, he would have come up with something better than this word salad. Yeah, what we were trying to do is we were trying to be able to get a completion to where we kicked a field goal beforehand uh, with the opportunity to be able to, we were trying to, if we had hit that deep in breaking route, it really would have worked out the way that we wanted to. We were going to try to kick a field goal right once we got into, you know, field goal position to then be able to kick an onside and try to give ourselves a real opportunity to win the game. By the time it got down to it, didn't anticipate that, you know, uh, in cut that we hit Puka running that long and just said, all right, just go ahead and kick the field goal. Felt like it was an opportunity to be able to, you know, not leave Matthew susceptible to an unnecessary heave to the end zone and, and get an opportunity for our field goal operation. But the initial goal was to try to get a two for one to where you end up getting into field goal range a little bit earlier with some of the play selections that we had um, and then ultimately be able to try to, you know, have an onside kick to to then be able to go try to compete to tie or win the game. But apparently artists told me there's a lot of people in Vegas pissed off about that decision. I, I, I clearly was not aware of that stuff. I will say this in his defense. I do appreciate that he wanted to protect Matthew from having to make an unnecessary heave to the end zone. Hard to dispute that. Whatever you say, Garrett Cole. Whatever you say, Garrett Cole. Um, I don't. I don't know. I I, I don't know if. Uh, yeah, well, we I don't know quite. I don't quite know how to answer that, to be honest. Um, where we kicked a field goal beforehand. I mean, uh, with the opportunity to. There are customs and practices that have been passed down from. Oh, okay, Miss Teen USA. By the time it got down to it, didn't anticipate that. Some people out there in our nation don't have that, and I believe that. Excuse me, waitress, can I get some more Roquefort? South Africa and can I get a little blue cheese? Maybe an extra crouton or four? Got any bacon bits for my salad? Should help the US. A little vinaigrette would be nice. It should help Iraq and the Asian Can you please pick these red onions out of my salad? I hate that. I'll tell you what I personally believe. Thanks, Alan. I would say exactly what I personally believe. I personally believe that Sean McVay did not think to himself, James Kelly, uh, yeah, well, we're going to lose to the Niners again, but I just can't seem to get out of my head that big-headed, man-child dope telling the entire world on Rome show that Lobster Jr. is better than me. So kick the field goal and bleep that illiterate moron, James Kelly. Kelly really believes that. What a stud. Why is it always about you, dude? Is there not a dog that needs to be washed? A car that needs to be washed? A steer that needs to be wrangled? This is not about you, man. Stop making it about you. I don't know why he did it. I heard his explanation. I'm as pissed as you. I just know it's not because of you. Anyway, it, this is the way it's going to be. More states will legalize. More people will gamble. And that was a reporter asking a coach why he kicked a meaningless field goal. And for one reason only, betters were pissed. 
It's actually pretty amazing. And I don't think he cares, and nor should he. He's trying to find a way to win a game, not a bet. Oh, check that. He's trying to find a way to win a game and not a bet. And if you're going to bet, this is something you have to factor in. Just like you have to factor in guys at the end of the game sliding instead of scoring so you can win your bet. They don't care. They don't want to rub it in. They want to spin clock. Wow. What a hypocrite I am. I said at the very top, one of the things that we're good at when it comes to gambling is not hammering you over the head with it or going too far with it. I just went 20 minutes with it. Good night now!